Hi, and welcome to another episode of Are We There Yet? The podcast regarding ADHD and success and trying to just break that myth that you can't be successful if you do have ADHD. Every episode I interview someone who is what publicly you would probably deem as a success in their field. And a lot of them are things that I would feel are actually unachievable for me personally, but meeting all these people proves that it isn't. My guest today is someone who interviewed me a couple of weeks ago and constantly moans and moans and moans about the fact that he hasn't had an invite here. So eventually I had to just suck it up and invite <laughs> Dr. Max Davey mm. uh, to the podcast. Hi, Max. Hello. I've finally achieved podcast nirvana. I've now, <laughs> I can now die in peace. That's it. That's, this is what everyone wants. That's it. Um, so, Max, do you want to tell... Everyone, what is that you actually do? What is your proper job title and things? <laughs> I've got a few a few jobs. I think the relevant ones are um, my day job, which is actually only about half of my working time at the moment, is as a um, a community paediatrician, um, which in the UK context essentially means. I am a developmental, a doctor who looks after child development. And my particular interest is in the developmental assessment of children age five and over, which effectively means I do an awful lot of assessing children who have combinations of features of ADHD and autism and various other bits and bobs. But I tend to do an awful lot of ADHD work within my job. Um, and I'm also... Um, got some strategic work uh, I, I work in Lambeth and I've got some strategic roles within Lambeth um, I am a trustee and founder of the national ADHD um, charity called ADHD UK and I do some work with the Royal College of Pediatrics where I'm the um, health improvement officer um, for that organization as well and I've got a couple of other hats but they're not particularly relevant today so your fingers are in many many pies basically they are indeed I have many fingers <laughs> see the the thing to me is being a doctor on its own is incredibly difficult learning to be a doctor is incredibly difficult from what i've been told and from what i hope and honestly the amount of times i spent with doctors i really hope it is difficult and it isn't super easy because that gives me a little bit more faith in the people who achieve it um but when you were when when were you actually diagnosed first of all so I was only diagnosed with ADHD um, in 20, ugh, no, it wasn't quite pandemic, was it? So 2019, I was, I was, I was diagnosed. So I'm now two and a half years in. I was um, 2019 as well. Yeah, so were you already, all working, people. were you already working with all these areas of ADHD yeah. things? Yeah. Yeah. So, <laughs> so it's a bit of a story, really. I mean, I suppose I had always felt that I, had an affinity with the kids with ADHD ever since I started working with them. But actually, I originally became interested in autism um, as a doctor um, while I was training. But the ADHD kids always felt to me like the people that I had the most, they just felt like someone, people I wanted to spend time with and wanted to help. And I've had huge sympathy for them. And sort of even from that kind of early stage, it became clear to me that I had some of the features of ADHD and I was a bit like them, but I felt that I didn't need a diagnosis because I was functional. Um, and, and I was in lots of ways, but I thought got to a point where 
I didn't feel like I was functioning anymore. <laughs> Things were very, very difficult. Um, and I was really struggling at home and at school. So that's the point at which I decided, well, I, I do need to think about why it is that I do some of the things that I do or the way I behave, the way that, the way that I behave. And, and um, that's the point at which I, I sought diagnosis. So you'd already done, basically you took the hard road uh, to it then. You'd already achieved quite a bit by the time you got diagnosed then. It wasn't a, because a lot of people get it when they're in university and things they get diagnosed at that point because that's when they really struggle. But you kind of pushed on through that then, yeah? Yeah, I mean, I think I think I would have probably got into a lot more trouble at university if I went now than I did. I was a very lazy university student for sort of nine, three quarters of the year. I was, you know, not really, I didn't really go to much. Um, I went to stuff that I was interested in, but if I wasn't interested, I would just get my mate Andy to sign me into it. Um, and he was quite happy with that um, for, well, because he, he's a very kind man. Um, and, uh, but I would put, my, I would have that kind of, in retrospect, I would very much call hyperfocus when I was quite good at timing it when the shit was hitting the fan. I was like, right, mm -hmm. this is the point at which I'm going to spend 12 hours a day in the library learning this shit and I'm going to get and I'm going to pass. Um, and it, it was always going to be driven. It was always driven by something which wasn't quite panic, but was just the, the right end of this, the right side of panic. Mm -hmm. um and that's the tech that was the technique that got me through a levels GC you know all of my exams that i've managed to kind of scrape by um sometimes sometimes a bit better than scrape um has always been a sustained period of last minute you know last minute hyper focus that's 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 the secret for me that's always been the secret for me but i think now university wouldn't let you get, would university wouldn't let you get away with it yeah, because they want sustained. They they require sustained effort, and they've got much better at requiring sustained effort. And sustained effort is much harder to achieve for people like us. Yeah, uh, quite. But so when you were younger, then what was what was the model of success? Your parents sort of said, <laughs> "This is this is what you need to do to be successful. This is what we expect." Or was think, it not? I think that's a really great question. I mean, I think for. I think for my mum, success has always been either financial or professional. She's always really respected professional success. So she did really respect the fact that I went into medicine and she did respect the fact that I did well at exams. She was always exasperated by the fact that I was lazy and, you know, kind of didn't work that hard other than exam time. Um, but I think she, yes, I don't think I necessarily had a model for success. I think, I th I, but where I did, it was, it was, it was kind of status based to an extent. I think my dad very much didn't really, wasn't as interested in that side of things in terms of me being terribly successful. I think he was quite interested in me being clever um, and interesting and cultured um, but I don't, he's much less career driven, I think, in some funny ways than my mum. So um, maybe, I mean, that's definitely how he's evolved. So maybe I'm just projecting how he is now to how he, he was then. But, but yeah, I mean, he had a big crisis when I was quite young with his health and it gave him a bit of a perspective on career that meant that he wasn't that bothered about 
you know, he was very supportive of me when I did well, but he didn't, I didn't ever get a feeling that I would be letting him down by, you know, not doing, not doing well. He was always. What, what were their careers? So my dad was an accountant. Um, and now he sort of trained as an accountant. Never really, I never really felt that he liked accountancy. He, uh, by the end, became a kind of finance director in a few companies. And towards the end of his career, he became an arbitrator, which actually he really loved kind of arbitrating disputes. Um, and he really enjoyed that and got a lot out of it. Actually. I suspect he could have done something along those lines for his whole life. Um, my mum ran, ran a letting agency in North London. So, um, you know, just kind of surfing the wave of the 1980s um, property boom. Right, okay. And so when you were younger, do you feel like your, your dad's sort of outlook and your mum's, they kind of balanced each other? I think to an extent, I don't think I ever, I don't think we were the sort of family where we kind of talked about stuff in, in, in such explicit terms. Mm. Um, and when I was 13, I went to boarding school and that created some distance between me and them. Um, and I think also I just didn't necessarily, I wasn't very, I wasn't at all a, um, reflective or in, or introspective teenager. So I would never sort of think about where am I, am I, where am I in my life and what am I doing and everything. I just sort of bowled on from from thing to thing, um, not really thinking about it, but probably being affected by various bits and bobs that happened. That that's how I was. I just kind of went with the flow and always seemed to just luck out a little bit. I feel yeah, uh, where. I, I never had a chosen career path. This is what I'm going to do. The first one I ever thought of was I want to be an, a, I wanted to be a vet. And then someone said it's seven years at uni. And I went, I don't yeah. want to be a vet. No. I want to be an architect. And then someone yeah. went, it's seven years at uni. And I was like, I want to work in curries. <laughs> uh, that, that, that'll do me. But it's interesting, like the, a lot of people who are doctors and things, from what I, my own perception of it, it is a lot of a, parents kind of driving it or as soon as they realize that you have that sort of keenness to go for that they're like well that's what you said so that's what we're doing and that's it anything short of this is not I, like I think my mum actually feels like I might have been a better lawyer than a doctor um I think she she sort of she does feel like I would have been a really good lawyer um I, I don't I know I don't think I really felt that I think they were really pleased I went into medicine but I would have been quite happy if I'd gone into you know they wanted me in a profession definitely but um which profession that didn't they weren't that bothered about we haven't got um any kind of family tradition of medicine so it wasn't like that. i was following following anyone's footsteps um I, I you know i was the first um in the family to, to do it I've, I've said this before on the podcast i'm sure and um, my family uh, were all trades uh, and it's almost like because i work in a bank i'm it's the there's an episode of Will and Grace that I remember from years ago. And because Will's a lawyer, he goes yeah. to a party and uh, someone goes, oh, what is it you do? He's like, oh, I, I play tennis. And he's like, oh, maybe, you know, my friend, he also plays tennis. And like his, the friend comes over and he's like, and then the person who introduced them walks away and they just turn around to each other and go, so what firm do you work for? Oh, <laughs> and he's like, I feel like that's like my family's perspective is like, oh, wait, you work for... No, Ross doesn't work for a bank. Ross plays tennis. Yeah. yeah. 
because uh, I, I was going to leave school at 16 to be a, a plumber. And then I decided I wanted to stay at school. And then I was going to leave school at uh, 17. And then I was like, I want to stay at school. And my dad's a locksmith. And like the, by the age of 14, my dad used to get me to pick locks and see how fast I could do it. Wow. And I would get chippy or something if I, if I did it quick. Um, what, one of my all-time favorite ones was, I think it was, I would have been 15 at the time possibly. And it was a woman's garage door that had like an internal door that she could get into. So my dad uh, goes up to the, uh, speaks to the woman and says, oh, what's wrong? I say, oh, it's just not unlocking. I don't know how to get it unlocked. I've lost the keys. Can you just unlock it? And he's like, yeah, yeah, we'll have a look at it. And the woman goes to lead us into the house. And my dad stops me, hands me the picks and goes, if you can get that unlocked before we get to the other side, you'll get a chippy. And I did it. You got a what? He said I could get a chippy. A chippy. Oh, cool. Yeah. So I did it as well. So this woman will <laughs> enter her house to see me lifting up her garage door. Excellent work. And it was so, so you missed out on a career in, in organised crime then? Well, yeah. Uh, who says I don't already have one? I well, mean, uh, some would say <laughs> the banking is organised crime, of course, you know. Exactly. But I could, I could have the <laughs> other side. It's just a side bit. I mean, uh, no. Um, I played the fifth. No. Uh, but when you were younger... What drove you to medicine then? Did you have like an idea as to what your own idea of success well, was? Or I'll, I'll, I think I'll, t I'll tell you the story that I told in my um, medical school uh, interview <laughs> when I went up to when I went up to Cambridge to do my medical school interview. I um, I said, well, basically, when I was a teenager, I was quite into like action force uh like action man action force all those little feet you know the kind of figures and um there was a comic alongside those battle action force comic that i used to read all the time and i also read um the kind of slightly more old school war comics like commando and, and stuff like that and and it struck me that actually it was really cool to be an army doctor because everyone respected you even though you didn't kill people or you didn't have a gun you were just kind of smart and and you help people and everyone thought you were cool um so i thought okay i'll well i'll what i'll do is i'll go into medicine and then i'll be an army doctor um <laughs> but even by the time i'd left school I, it occurred to me that the services were very much not for me um i'd done a little bit of time in, the, in cadets and it was yeah it was fun when we were sailing about but all of the kind of polishing shit and having tidy beds weren't wasn't really for me um so but but nonetheless by then i thought well actually medicine quite fun i'm quite you know i'm all right at science and quite like chatting with people and you know helping them out so but that was the story i, I literally said in my medical school interview about why i wanted to do medicine and they seemed to like it so <laughs> that was fine um so that that was basically what got you into it. So what was your own perception of success then when you were younger? Um, huh. I think girls liking you was quite a big <laughs> criteria of the success, wasn't it? <laughs> so I think, I mean, I think that's something that, you know, I think you've got to be honest and say that being admired by people is, was, is and still it was and still isn't a marker of success isn't it and 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 it isn't just it isn't sort of just romantic or sexual but you know having status 
was I think to go back to you know maybe that comes from my mum the kind of you know idea that having high status is is success um and I think and I think also being clever and being academically able um mm. was something that that was important became important to me because I had I, I suppose I'd always done okay at school and but it wasn't even that I wanted to be academically no, it wasn't that I wanted to be academically good. I wanted to be smart. So I wanted to be the kind of guy who knows stuff and who makes, you know, makes jokes and, and uh, has, has read the books and has seen the films. Um, so I, I suppose I wanted to be urbane as well and have a reasonably high status job. And then I thought, well, then people will like me. <laughs> I don't know. I guess. I guess maybe you know. If I'm really honest about my my late teens and early twenties, a lot of it was about turning myself into somebody that people might like, having felt very unliked in my early teens and and my childhood. It, um, it's kind of that thing. If you can't be liked, be respected. But... It's a little bit like that. I mean, it's certainly true that I know that doctors get away with being really freaking dull people what's the swear i'm assuming the swear you can the swear, swear all you like swear all you like i mean you know doctors can 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 get away with being really dull quite unpleasant and self-centered and still have enormous amounts of social success um and that is just i don't know what it is but it is something to do with the status of the profession now i'm not mm. saying that i um <laughs> exploited that but i think but i do think it always helps socially because it's sort of something that everyone's a little bit interested in as well as everyone is a little bit i mean i think lots of people are far too impressed with medicine because a lot of medicine is quite dull and just um finding the right page in the textbook and following it a lot of it is quite uninspired and um routine um very little of it is kind of you know seat of your pants um excitement or, not every day is brilliant, house. or brilliant deduction yeah not every yeah. day is yeah yeah it there's a couple of things that you said there that are quite funny to me because i assume you've watched scrubs because like every doctor's watched scrubs right because it's the most accurate tv show apparently very maybe one episode no more than that not even even maybe not even that i'm not a big tv watcher that this episode is now finished i say goodbye to max he doesn't <laughs> like no. uh, so there's there's an episode of scrubs where all the main characters have to speak to um, a student psychologist as to why they want to be a doctor yeah sure and some people have very deep meanings. Some people have, like, there was something that happened when they were kids that, they, like, was respect and it was a status that they wanted to that. Um, but Dr. Cox says, he's like, I wanted it for the same reason everyone else wanted it. Girls, money, girls. That that was it. And it was just when he says, like, <laughs> so that, that that's just, like, right out of that episode. It's just quite fun. But what you're saying about you wanted to be smart, for me, there was always... Two different things. There was being clever and then there's being smart. Yeah. And there's yeah, yeah. very, very few people who are both. Mm, uh, bit clever or you're street smart, and that's it. In mm. my uh, in my book, a lot of the time. And I was always a lot all, actually all my friends, I think, are all very clever. Mm. But I would probably say not a lot of them are very smart. Um, and it's the things that they don't like they just can't make the connection 
And because I have such a straightforward way of looking at things sometimes, mm. cut through all the fog and just go, no, it's this. Yeah. And I think, I think actually the ADHD comes in there and looking back, I think the ability to cut through and see patterns and see solutions quite quickly is characteristic of people with ADHD. Mm-hmm. Um, and also the, the ability to slightly arrogantly, there's a brilliant, there's a brilliant, there's a, a colleague who has ADHD as a psychiatrist. Um, and he says, the thing about when you've got ADHD is you think everyone else is an idiot. <laughs> and that's it's absolutely so chimed with me because you do because you just get you just get stuff things just occur to you and you also quite often have this um ability to stick to your guns even if everyone else thinks you're wrong i don't know where it comes from but it does seem to me that that's partly where the original thinking of adhd is comes from is it's just this ability to go i don't care this is what i think i um, i that's got me in trouble a lot sure. uh, because I'm very much, and, and I said this to my, I, I got a new boss a month or so ago and I said to her when she started, I was like, there are two ways to shut me up, pull rank or explain it better uh, yeah. because otherwise we'll just keep on arguing. And the thing as well is that if I believe I'm right, unless you have it in black and white saying why I'm wrong, I'm not going to believe you. And sure. even when you do show me it in black and white, I'm then going to hyper-focus on why I thought I was right. And this is why, and, and this is absolutely me, and this is exactly why my mum thought I should be a, a lawyer and she, and why she's got a point. Um, I mean, pulling rank on me is, is absolutely not, I mean, it does work, but it will make me hate you. It forever. only works because I've told them to. Yeah. If someone I didn't know was like, I'm your senior, 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 you need to do this. About like, you're an asshole, asshole, asshole. That doesn't mean I'm going to do anything. Um, but if I've yeah. said to you, it's kind of like a green light. If I go, no, genuinely, this is how you, you have to shut me up. And I've had a boss yeah, of mine who hated it. Had a boss who just would, did not want to pull rank ever until one day we had an argument and I was getting really annoyed with him and he was getting just as equally frustrated with me. And I said to him, I feel like we're playing football and you're asking about the 18th hole. He said, what do you mean? I was like, you're talking about something that's got absolutely nothing to do with what we're talking about right now. And he just he just stopped and stared at me and went, JFDI, Ross. And I went, right, okay, and just did it. And he got up and left. And like a guy that I worked with just turned around and went, I'm sorry, what just happened? Ross has <laughs> button. What does JFDI mean? And I went, it means yeah. just fucking do it. And he was like, oh, so if I say just fucking do it, you'll just do it. I was like, no, 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 you, you don't have that card. Yeah, uh, He has that card, you don't. But do you think your impression of success from back then has changed then to how it is now? Um, yes. I mean, my I am far less interested in the status that medicine accords than I was when I was younger, of course, partly because I realised how... Um, what bullshit is in lots of ways um and how many more impressive people there are outside of medicine than there are in i think um just you know just the parents i work with and and, and i think i've got a, I've, I've got a much better kind of i suppose humility about medicine a little bit um although you know fuck it we've talked about it an awful lot on this podcast so i can't have that much um 
this is the purpose <laughs> um, of the podcast though so this is kind of the purpose of the podcast yeah i know it's a bit uncomfortable um i think so i think i think certainly in the last it's variable i mean it comes and goes but i think success in personal relationships has become very much more important to me than i than it was even a couple of years ago um and i think that's been a big change mm-hmm. um so i think and i think a lot of the, i think some of the decisions i'm now making about my career are much more focused on that than previously they have been so i suppose i suppose that's been a change is 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 kind of holding on to the relationships that are important to me and, and, pro- and working on them proactively has become a, a much more of a focus recently. Is that professional or is that more personal? Um, oh, well, it's, more just... personal. it's more personal, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think also professional, I think that's right. I think um, being more focused on the bits of the job that I find personally satisfying as opposed to the bits of the job that are higher status mm-hmm. so for instance and in, in a completely um amicable way i'm not going to continue to be working with the royal college of pediatrics as of next year in any kind of formal capacity because i've reached the point where there are other things that i get more satisfaction from and as you go further up the organization you stop being able to pick and choose kind of the bits you're interested in in the way that I can currently. So, um, so I'm going to move on. Um, mm-hmm. So, I, yeah, I think that I think that's changed a bit um, uh, as well. But but yeah, now a lot of it, a lot of it is personal. It's about, it's, it's to do with how I measure my own success um, as a, as a, as a person. Um, but even then, that's been quite a long way coming. I think having kids and having a family um, just has made me quite a lot less interested in kind of being the most kind of high-powered person career-wise than I ever could be. But mm. part of it is by design. Part of it is also by default. I am in a very much a backwater of medicine, and I ended up where I am because I find it so interesting and it really suits my personality, but it is a backwater. So I had to accept that I'm never going to be a professor. I'm never going to be, um, you know, the absolutely top, you know, absolutely the kind of highest ranking, most kind of dynamic leaders of the, um, of the profession, simply because of where I am within it. That's just how it is. See, the thing for me is, a few years ago, I decided to change how I was professionally. Um, I was I used to be much more about, for lack of a better way of putting it, fuck you, I don't care. Um, I'll get to where I want to be any way I possibly can, uh, which involves burning every bridge possible, basically. Um, and be, it, it was the career equivalent of you know in movies where they grab a rope and then cut like a line and then the, yeah, yeah. Uh, it, it was that so you go shooting up but then something crashes below you it was the career equivalent of that and then a couple of years ago I had a disagreement with a friend of mine and he said that I needed to learn how to play the game 
And I said, I, I'm not going to do that. I hate that phrase. That phrase is basically telling me to be manipulative. Yeah. It's asking yeah. me to ma manipulate people's perception of me. I was like, no, it's not. I was like, 100%, that's what it is. And mm -hmm. I was like, I'd rather get further not changing who I am than get ahead by everyone assuming I'm someone I'm not. Mm. And even worse, I become that person that I've pretended to be. That that's even worse for me. Um, and it's and I said to him, it's like you don't want me to do that. And he was like, why? He was like, because I'm better at it than you. Hmm. And that's the horrible truth. Is I am like I I know where all the skeletons buried. I know exactly how to set people up. I do it unconsciously sometimes and have to stop myself. But I can. I do have that side of me, and I don't like it, and I don't want to be that. Mm. Being in a bureaucratic like environment is makes it very difficult to not be like that yes, but i yeah. recently came into a area i say recently i've been there for a year now where i'm now being appreciated for what i can bring to it and i had it came down the grapevine where one of my seniors went and said to one of my peers we need to keep ross happy because he thinks differently to everybody else he finds problems we didn't even know existed, but before he's even told us about them, he's already fixed them. Mm. He's like, he thinks much more dynamically and he's much more innovative. We need to make sure that he's happy and doesn't try and leave. Um, ironically, that manager has now left, uh, but <laughs> it, was like, it was the best piece of like, feedback I've ever had. And my new manager is very much, this. it's this constant cycle of when she's, she'll give me lots of positive feedback and it's like a drug. I then have to up my game so that I keep on getting that. Uh, Whereas yeah. I've always been more of a stick person than a carrot person. <laughs> I'm now coming to the realization that it's because very few people gave me the carrot. Yeah. Uh, it was either people either gave me the stick or they were apathetic to me. Like that, that was it. There was no, like, yay. And I hate like the yay side of it, but now I'm starting to like get addicted to it. <laughs> well, <coughs> the yay side of it is difficult if it's um, if if it's not sincere. If it's any sort of insincerity, is immediately going to rob it of all power. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, I don't know where. I mean, I think I suppose I am sort of more more carrot, but I think it's sort of. I kind of internalize the sticks and I do beat myself up when things go wrong quite to, to an extent that people don't need to on my behalf. So mm -hmm. I very seldom get sort of carpeted by, it does happen sometimes get carpeted by uh, superiors or, or other, you know, people in a position of responsibility. It's much more likely that I realize that I've done something wrong and just, you know, sort of spend ages kind of castigating myself about it. Yeah. And, I've never needed sticks because I've always brought my own, <laughs> I suppose. That's a good way to put it. See, I, um, I, years ago, I decided, I, I, I don't know when I did this, but I basically became, came up with like several principles as to how I'm going to not lose my mind. Um, and one was like, I, I said this on yours, actually, if I'm happy where I am, I have no regrets. Yeah. Uh, the other one that I've got is if you can find one aspect of your job you enjoy, you'll enjoy your job. Mm. And for me, that has always been talking to people. Uh, and the last one, and this one, to be fair, doesn't wouldn't really work for you. 
Uh, the last one is, I work in a bank. No one's going to die because I did something wrong. Yeah. And that's the thing where, like, <laughs> yeah, I, I can... Nobody does I do something wrong anymore because I don't work in acute medicine and none of my patients are ill. Um, you know, they. if I do something wrong or, you know, I forget to do something or I screw something up, people will get upset with me. Somebody might miss out on a diagnosis that would really help them. Um you know, but it, but you know, okay. If I do a drug, a drug dose wrong, then somebody might have too much medicine and come to harm that way. But it's not, it's not. You're not going to make an artery, basically. No, no, I'm not going to be. It's not, it's not as dramatic as, as, as mm. hospital medicine in those terms. The stakes are not, are not high, and the pace is not, lot, you know, what it is in, in kind of A and E or whatever. It's, it's very, very mm -hmm. different pace. So with your adhd then looking back through you've kind of touched on it a little bit already with the way you worked through your studies do you think that your adhd adhd was more of a help or a hindrance for you to get to where you are now i think i think in lots of ways it was a help i think that the thing that i've always had is 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 very very deep wells of energy and determination and i i can't divide that from my adhd i think the energy comes very much from there and the thing that medicine does it, you know in terms of career is sap your energy it requires a massive amount of energy and i think also somehow the ability and this is not maybe this is adhd maybe this is not adhd but my ability to move on from things quite quickly to not, and I know I castigate myself when things go wrong, but in a way that's a new, newer thing, actually. I didn't necessarily used to do that so much when I was younger. Um, my ability to kind of move on from stressful situations into the next situation. So that was really, really stressful, but I forget about it and move on to the next situation until I'm then at rest or at peace. And then I worry about the stuff that went wrong at that point. Um, but actually, day to day, I'm able to move from stressful situation to stressful situation quite quickly and switch quite mm. quickly, which I think is part of the ADHD. Um, <clears throat> um, so I think overall, I think it's probably been a help. Um, but I think there came a point when it became a hindrance when my organisational skills um, and to an extent my... Um, ability to be patient with people and not lose my temper uh, not that I was a shop shouting and yelling but I would you know I would be kind of quite a few caustic emails flying around um my ability to keep a control of my emotions and and keep organized was was affecting my work so that's the point at which I had to I had to get a diagnosis I had to well I had to at least talk to someone about it mm -hmm. it's it's quite good in that but like it's an argument thing about my uh, my manager, and one of my old managers used to do this as well prior to diagnosis, uh, where if there's a situation that's came up and I phoned them and went, right, how long do you have? Because uh, I, I need to go off right now. I need to go off on one. And I'll explain the situation. They'll empathize with me. And then the other day, my manager said to me, she's like, right, you're right this does need to be uh, addressed that's fine can you put down exactly what needs to be addressed in an email and can you send it to me and i'll take the emotion out of the email and then send <laughs> it back to you 
<laughs> and I was like, that the, my problem isn't the fact that I put the emotion into emails. My problem is that I lack all emotion if I'm mad. So I've had I've explained this okay. to people before. If I'm swearing, if I'm shouting, if I'm gesturing, I'm not angry. If I'm monotone and I'm not swearing and my sentences are really short, fine cover. Yeah. That yeah. is the point when and it's the to me, it's the ADHD equivalent of going silent. I can't yeah. go silent, but what I can do is go very, very kind of like monotone and blunt. And I've had those situations in work where someone's asked me something that I've already answered and I've just went, no. And people hate you saying one word because one word is so absolute. Yeah. And there's no sort of conversation you can add in the back of it. There's no- no, You're shutting it down at that point. Yeah, and you're leaving the empty air with them. And it's so powerful, but also it instantly gives you a reputation. Um, And it's not always a- it's not the reputation you want. It's not the, the reputation of don't fuck with me because I'm not going to take it. It's the don't bother with him because he's just going to act childish and he's just going to... Yeah, and I'm always really, really wary of showing anger or um, interpersonal... In interpersonal um, interactions at work of showing anger because I'm... <coughs> sorry because I'm very aware of or kind of pulling rank on people or just, you know, telling them just to get on with it because I'm very, I'm always very aware of being six foot three, white, male, big, um, and relatively posh. Um, and, and there's so much power in that. And, but, you know, like with great power comes great responsibility. <laughs> uh, but you know what I mean? So you have to be really, really, and, and, and I think one of the reasons why I sought, <laughs> you've killed you now. Um, but one of the reasons why I sought diagnosis and have started to kind of think really much more carefully about my responses to things is that it is so easy to have the, the power of all of those personal characteristics that I have, plus my job, plus my job status plus my you know the fact that I am smart and funny and you know these sorts of can be funny in in, in kind of personal um interactions to, to to really just be a bit of a bully without really meaning to be because you can be so dominant in, yeah. in if you have all of those assets so so it's sort of kind of ongoing attempts not to be dominating situations um is something that professionally I've always kind of I'm, I've always been sort of trying not to be dominant but I think yeah it's something I'm focusing much more explicitly on recently it's interesting because I've been told that um, you have probably what I think is a really good uh, trait which I've been told I have is your self-awareness and I've been told I'm saying and it's I, someone once said, I'm, called me a pushover. And I was like, I'm not a pushover. I just don't care. Wait until you find something I care about. Then you'll realize I'm not a pushover. And then something came up and they went, it's not a pushover. Ross, Ross isn't a pushover. And it's like, it's not that, but I, 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 
I've had issues when I was younger and things with anger. I lost a promotion once because um, I got a big, bit big for myself. And someone, I, I was starting this training for this promotion and there was a queue in the branch and uh, my colleague in one of my old teams came over and was like, can you go and do something? And say, just sitting there. And I went, how about you fuck off and go do your job and I'll stay right here and do my job. I was 20. Right. And a dick. And they finished what they were doing and then they ran away and they were crying. And it was an older woman. And I went over and like, look, I'm really sorry. I shouldn't have done that. But it was five minutes too late. And I was like, look, I, I shouldn't switch you like that. I'm really sorry. But And um, she told me not to worry about it. And it was fine. And then we turned around to find the branch manager listening to the entire thing. I lost my promotion not because of what I did, but because I apologized for it. If I had him, like, it would have got a lot oh, worse. Oh, gosh, uh, yeah. I see what you mean. But, you would have got away with it. You wouldn't have got away yeah. with it, too, if it weren't for those pesky kids. Yeah, yeah. true. Uh, but to be honest, I'm glad it happened because years later, um, a similar situation happened. And this there was a queue and this woman came over to me and it, she was complaining about a customer i just had i was like look can you go and do what you're doing just now there's a queue you go deal with that i'm dealing with this she went and dealt with it and she came over and this was in the middle of the bank hall granted there was one or two customers in there but she came up to me and she went you ever speak to me like that again and i will punch you in the face where you stand <laughs> and i went i'm not going to react to it this time and I went to the manager and I went, look, just so you know, this happened. I didn't react. I did say this to start with. That got this reaction, just so you know. Nothing was done. Nothing was said. There was no meeting. There was no, well, let's go in. And I couldn't help but think, it's like, how much, like, power does that woman now feel that she has in her head that she's openly just threatened someone in her workplace and just totally managed to walk away with it like the self-awareness that she doesn't have like she, in her yeah. head she's like oh i was a hundred percent in the right there to go up to that 22 year old lad and tell him i'm going to smash him <laughs> it's like what yeah but and I don't, I don't think so. I don't think self-awareness is an adhd trait at all but i i think it's just something that you you partly gain through just people you respect pointing shit out. Yeah. <laughs> I think, I think actually one of the relationships that I think still stays with me, I think is, is a girlfriend I had when I was 21. She was a little bit older, 24 or something. Um, and she was kind of from the South, the, the Welsh valleys. And she was so good at pointing out the kind of, what we would now call privilege or, you know, the privileged assumptions that I had as somebody who'd come from this kind of back, this quite posh background mm-hmm. um, and sort of really in a, in a quite gentle way, actually, but in a, in a humorous way, but in a really forthright way made forced me to look at myself and look at how ridiculous some of the ways that I was, you know, looked from the outside. And so I, I sort of, I still, still vaguely in touch actually but i'm still really grateful to her for just 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 sort of looking at me and 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 going and we didn't we weren't going out for all that long but but that i am yeah, i am ridiculous but i'm also worth it 
So <laughs> and that's and that's where you know that's what that that's what sort of you know allows you to to work on people and, and to change people is, is if you if, if you have to think that about them. That is a very very interesting phrase. You're ridiculous, but worth it because do you know what I think that sums up? I think that sums up all the combined kids who were cheeky, but not cheeky enough to be a problem to get diagnosed in school. Yeah. That, that is the perfect terminology there, right? You're ridiculous, but you're worth it. Mm. Because I had so many teachers when I was in school who would give me the time and give me the energy, despite the fact that I was disruptive in class, despite yeah. the fact that I used to take the piss out of them in front of people and never get in trouble for it. Yeah, there would have been kids who did have ADHD who were like really, really hyperactive, who to their teacher was just a nuisance. So they were ridiculous, but they weren't worth it. Mm. Um, so it's it's interesting that the fact that you and I have grown up in very different sides of the coin, uh, but it's quite interesting the way that we've kind of gone through uh, life and similarities along along the way. Mm. Um, there was something uh, there though that you're saying that people you respect like pointing shit out. Uh, I I once said to my mum, now. My mom doesn't swear unless she's hurt herself. Okay. And uh, one day, like, I, I, if anyone is wrong in their behaviors or the way they approach something or anything like that, I'll tell them. They might not always appreciate, but I'll always tell them. And this is one of those other uh, things I've said is 90% of the time that someone's being a dick, they don't know they're being a dick. Yeah. If you tell them and they continue to be a dick, then they're just a dick. That's it. Yeah. And my mom said this to me once. She was like, why, why do you always act like that? And I was like, if I'm being a dick, you have to tell me that I'm doing. And it was brilliant. The one, the first time she did it, we were just sitting there, we were in the middle of this debate. And I don't know what it was about, but she just turned around to me and went, you're being a dick. And it was like, okay then. I'll yeah. just stop. And um, <laughs> that's the mirror that you hold up to, to, to that you they hold up to you um you know if it, if it is someone you have that bond with definitely i think it's the best thing to do is like you you have to call people out on their bullshit but you have to do it in a respectful way but there are people like myself where you can do it in a very disrespectful way that is actually respectful like if someone did go by the way you're being a dick right now a lot of people would not take kindly to that but to me yeah, i'm like sure. oh no that's fair yeah but does that depend on your pre-existing relationship with them or are you just thick-skinned enough that it doesn't matter? I've had a guy, I, I would say pre-existing relationship apart from one, one thing disproves that. I had a guy in a pub once come up to me and he just stood next, and I, um, I was in an argument with a bouncer. And he, just, <laughs> he, was, he was having a smoke and he just came up to me and went, you're being a bad dick, mate. Come on. And I went, yeah, all right, fair. Uh, and it was, it wasn't so much. It was there was no relationship beforehand. It was the delivery of it. Yeah. Some people can just do that though. Mm -hmm. It wasn't threatening. It wasn't anything like that. It was just matter of fact. <laughs> it was like, yeah, yeah, no, no, yeah, you're right. Uh, and you that probably was probably at some level needed an, an out. You needed a way to, uh, to, to back down from that without losing face because often people do don't they when yeah at some level they know they're wrong you, you just they just need a they need a, a way of, of backing down 
No, exactly. But with that then, um, thank you very much for this, Max. It's been lovely talking to you for, I actually don't even know how long it is. I, I don't time these things. I, I keep telling people that I will and I'll time it and it'll be it. Well, we're, we're, appro- we're sort of approaching an hour, really. I haven't quite, it's probably worth just mentioning the, in a bit more explicitly the podcast that you came on to. Um, oh, yeah, all the way. Cool. might be interested in that as well. Um, uh, it's called Extraordinary Brains, and I present it with my daughter. Um, and what we do is it's not dissimilar to you, I think, actually. Probably we bring people who have all sorts of neurodiversity, not just ADHD, but other things. And I suppose we're not so, we're not so kind of focused on success, but we're just focused, we're focused on stories. And we just want to hear what, you know, how people got to where they are, what mm-hmm. they think of where they are and, and how they, um, how they, you know, whether they think things, things ought to have been different. And we really enjoy doing it. And um, I think probably people who listen to this might, because they're not that different, really. The yeah. They might they might also enjoy some of our episodes um it's quite it's quite adhd heavy at the moment to be honest with you well do you want to uh, just plug away what are all the socials where can everyone find everything um <clears throat> so basically if you look at if you look for extra brains pod on facebook twitter instagram you will find it um uh and extraordinary brains podcast uh well it's extraordinary brains pod is the dot com is the website but um, you know, just Google extraordinary, extraordinary brains podcast, and you you will come across it. Um, and I will be putting but, it onto the website at some point. I will be putting it onto adhdhive.com at some point. I keep meaning to, and I've just not <laughs> quite got around to it yet. But it will be going on the website at some point, so you will be able to access it there as well. Sounds good. Well, thank you very much, Max. No worries. Thank you very much for having me. This podcast is proudly sponsored by Timo, the award-winning visual planning app that supports routines and time management. Timo was designed specifically to support executive function and empowers users to take control of their schedules. Head to your app store and type T-I-I-M-O into the search bar to learn more. Timo is available on Android, iOS, and smartwatch.